where are you right now in terms of how you see school relating to some of our concerns about racial justice in American society? Well, thank you for that introduction. It was very kind. So I think recently I kind of had my perspective in terms of school and racial justice on a university scale. And I hadn't really thought about my public school education. So I went to Loudoun County Public Schools for elementary, middle, and high school. And I was on Facebook one day and I saw this um, campaign where essentially acts of racism committed by other students or faculty in Loudoun County Public Schools had been being exposed on social media with names and everything. And that was really what started my thinking about my public school education and the role that it has had in sort of perpetuating these, what's the term again, um, when it's like a racist act, but it's, it's subtle and it's not... Like a microaggression or implicit bias or... Yes. So I began reflecting more about the role of public schools in not necessarily promoting, but not condemning microaggressions and implicit bias. And so I started reflecting more on my personal experiences. And I was like, wow, I cannot believe I didn't notice. Well, I did notice, but I didn't voice my concerns as much as I would today. And I don't know if that's because... I didn't feel like it would be received well or if because I didn't feel like the person I would confide in would understand because most of the faculty at my schools were white. And so, yeah, I, I've just been thinking about how I wish I could go back in time and be in those situations again. And I have all these ideas of things that I would say if I was in that position again. So I've been kind of frustrated not only with the schools, but also with like my past self. I wish I would have had that voice. And I know it's, I have to show myself grace because I was very young, like I was a kid. But that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately in terms of school. You know. Yeah. And, and for some, I mean, some of that is, I mean, I don't, I'm sure there's a million ways to explain it. And I don't want to tell you what's happening with you, but I can say like for myself that I grew up in a sort of suburban, rural, suburban place there was very little racial diversity in my school. I mean, I, I don't know the actual numbers, but you could, there were probably maybe 10 black students total in, in a school of say somewhere 12, 1300, something like that. Um, there were very few Asian students. Like I had friends of different races, but there were not many people around. And so anything, you know, and, and I think about some of the things that maybe we saw posted to social media recently. And some of them I think seem terrible. And some of them I think were probably not, at least from the teacher's perspective, terrible or meant to be, but it doesn't mean that a student didn't receive it in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, and, and when I think back, I think sometimes the way I perceive what I saw in high school racially, or maybe it also factors in, um, I think there was a lot more open homophobia when I was in high school. Like it was nothing for a teacher to, to use a homophobic slur against the student in class. And I mean, basically everybody laughed. I mean, I laughed. And in retrospect, um, you know, I feel awful about it. But I think some of that is the combination of where you are and when you are. So situationally, it doesn't seem strange at the moment. And I also think that sometimes these things come with age. Like one of the best things about college, like college is great, but maybe not everyone needs it. But 
it's hard to go to college and actually, if you show up to class and do the reading, you will see the world differently. And so some of the things that you're thinking about now probably never crossed your mind before because you hadn't been exposed to some of those conversations, some of these texts. And I know for me, that's very much part like, you know, race and injustice and, and socioeconomic issues are big parts of my class, as you know. But those are things that I like cared about in high school, but I never would have had that conversation. Like I never would have had the perspective to do it. And so, as you said, you know, it's important to, to give yourself a little bit of grace in those moments because whether you even perceived it or not, then I think you probably don't have the experience. And we're certainly now in a social climate where people are paying a lot more attention, you know? And so maybe there are things that five years ago or eight years ago, or, you know, 10 years ago, that it just would have never even crossed our mind. Like it never even would have mattered in the first, but not that it didn't matter, but like we would have never even noticed it. And now it would seem so obvious. Like, how did I not? In terms of your sort of, I'm going to use the term awakening. I don't mean to be dramatic with it, but in, in, in some of these realizations, how much of that do you think has been the result of interactions with other people versus how much of it has been maybe like, I almost want to say like text-based, like how much of this is stuff that's come from learning in an academic setting versus informally for you? I think that for me, most of it has been through text, through watching interviews with like historical figures and civil rights movements and with Black Panthers and groups that are huge staples of Black rights in American history, which is interesting because a lot of the time when we're talking about educating students from when they're young, especially in public school systems, about race, it seems like we often think that we are limited in what we can teach if our classroom diversity is limited. And I find that to be sort of an excuse because I think educators are required to be educated themselves in order to be good educators. I think that's fair to say. And there have been times when I've been discussing with other Duke students who are studying race and African-American history, who when I'm talking to them, sometimes I'm like, this student is white and they kind of sound more woke than I do. <laughs> and so I think it's not impossible to, to have a sufficient knowledge base to teach students about race. You don't necessarily need personal anecdotes or experiences to talk about race in a productive and effective way. So I think that's, that's an important point to make. I think a lot of times teachers in, in general um, and just school boards, I think there is often a lot of excuses that are offered and, you know, I think I, I would like to talk more about that with you. I don't know how much you can share exactly about what the discussion has been about how our specifically can be better moving forward and how they can reflect on a lot of these incidents and reflect on how the whole world seems to be shifting towards this more anti-racist framework, like not just not being racist. I think we all can accept that that's not enough. And so I was wondering what the discussion has been centering around in terms of. So, you know, as, as a teacher, you know, I'm not an administrator and I'm not in there, um, like in some of the meetings where these things are going to be discussed. This has been an ongoing concern. I mean, you know, we want to say for a long time, but more recently, 
the local chapter of the NAACP and I'm forgetting the acronym. It's, oh, I should know this. Um, it's basically the, the community and parents association for students of color and they, you know, have meetings and they meet with school board members and things like that. And I think a combination of those groups and maybe a few other people uh, started looking at some enrollment data and some testing data and the grade stuff and the, the concept of the achievement gap, you know, that white versus Asian versus Hispanic versus black versus Pacific Islander, et cetera, et cetera, that you see like different outcomes in, in certain ways. And that really, I think, upset some people. And, and I think rightfully so. I also think that if you go big picture, you look and you say like those numbers exist not universally, but pretty close to it. Like this is, this is a very wide ranging problem. Right. And so I, and I think that people got very upset, which is fair. My sense not being in those meetings was that people started making some very pointed accusations to the individual leadership within our County and within the division, which I don't know that it's unfair, but I don't know if it's entirely fair either, because when you see that the same problem exists all over the place and it's hard to point it one person and say like you're doing or not doing these things but we there's been a a push like last year we started or was it no I think it was earlier this school year we did our first equity training and it was it was okay and I think the idea is good and I tried I mean you know that we do a bunch of race stuff in class and I have some texts that I go to that you know are, are short enough and they're easy enough to read but they they're based on good science and things like that and I tried to like just shut up the whole time because <laughs> they're doing, they started with like a video of people running a race. There's like a cartoon of people running a race and the white guy's just like cruising along and the black guy's got to like, he's got hurdles and then he's, he gets stopped and he does all this stuff and, and it's fine, but it was really strange. And one of the things that I realized in talking to some other teachers in the building, most of the black teachers shut down at that moment. They're like, this is, that's, that's a terrible way to start this off. And so I think they became critical almost immediately and I'm trying to play along. And during a break, I talked to the people running the training and it turned out it was, it was a white woman, a white man and a, and a black man. And the black man actually had some great personal stories to share. He, he had some really good stuff to say. And the other two were fine, but it turned out they, they had just been through this training themselves. Like they weren't professional trainers. They didn't have, as it turned out, I had more of a quote unquote formal education on race, ethnicity, demographics and stuff from my college classes than any of them had. And so I thought, you know, how, how, what can we expect from the training when the people who are doing it are just using someone else's PowerPoint, someone else's notes. And so in the second half of it, I shared some of the, like some of the quotes that we use in class that helped to guide the discussion. And everyone was, I think, open to it. But I think that that preliminary training was a quick indication that we don't know our target audience real well in terms of how do we talk to teachers about it because there's no differentiation. There are teachers in the room that, and I'm not saying that anyone doesn't need to go through some sort of training or have a discussion, but there are teachers who maybe to use your term are a little more woke or less. And when everyone gets that same presentation, it means that some people check out because this seems silly and some people are sort of resistant to the ideas and without directly fighting back, they start questioning it, you know? And so it's something that we're doing both as a school division. And I think it's, I think it's nationwide and statewide, but especially within, within the County, it's something that we're doing. I know that within the school, it's an ongoing discussion, even separate from the required training. I just don't know what becomes actionable. Right. Um, and that, I'm sorry, I sort of rambled there to get back to this point, but this, this is sort of, I guess what my answer to your question is, the discussions are great. And I think that's good for helping people to change their awareness. But as an institution, it's very difficult to make an actionable plan, 
where you say, we're going to do something about this unless you're prepared to replace teachers, which I think most people want to avoid. Like you want to, I mean, if there's a deliberate problem, if a teacher is being hostile, racist, that's, that's different. Um, For some of the sort of the microaggression, the more passive or implicit things, I don't know if the best step is fire the person. Like we would, we want to help you to understand and do this better. It's tough. It's tough because you got to change a lot that's going on in people's minds before you can do it. And so, you know, we are going to have for the first time, and I think it's an African-American history course. Somebody told me it was African. It was just African history, African studies. I think it's, I think it's focusing on the black experience in America, but it could go either way. And I think that'll help. A lot of this comes back to diversity in the staff, which is tricky. You know, I don't know. It, it, it's, a, it's an ongoing discussion. And I think at least within my building, the administration is taking it very seriously. Uh, we have a new assistant principal who started partway through the year, who's fantastic. Uh, he's black. He came from a neighboring school system. And so I think it's actually been good to have him in the conversation just you know, like I was just invited to like sort of a small panel discussion of people talking about race. And I was like, what am I, I'm just like random white guy. Like, what do you want me to say? And the guy who invited me is like, but I see the stuff you write. I think it'd be great to have the perspective. I'm like, that's, that's fine. But what I say comes from a book or a movie or comes from me thinking about it doesn't come from an experience. And so it's different. I mean, for you, how old were you when you had your first black teacher? I think I was in fourth grade. It was Mr. Gary. <laughs> did that and well you know what we're having this conversation i mean well there will be a picture up but you are black and we, we're doing audio and i just realized we did not clarify that <laughs> um did you feel like do you remember feeling any differently about the teacher like did it change your perception of the class at all i remember i was happy about it because being a black student just completely surrounded with white bodies it felt like it's just it's such a hard feeling to describe. It's not even being overtly alienated. It's just being constantly reminded that you're different and you don't know what to do with that idea. So I was definitely really glad to see that. And I do want to respond to some of the ideas you just brought up. So first, I think it almost seems like a lot of the delay and response on the side of individual schools is that it seems like a lot of faculty are looking for guidance from oversight or from administrators and things like that, when there's a lot of value in just organizing yourselves to work to educate each other. If everyone says that they take this seriously and everyone says that they feel strongly about being anti-racist, then they don't have to wait for someone that's higher up to tell them exactly what to do. 